Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to MJAC Conversations. I'm your host, Rachel Runnels, and today we're talking about finding good things in the midst of the ordinary, dealing with shame, and trusting friends with your crap, sometimes literally. With me today is Anthony Skeppel. He's the head coach of the women's basketball team at Briarcrest, and he and his wife, Terry, have three kids. And Anthony's been on worship teams since the fall of 2017. Anthony, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, uh, to be here. Uh, so this is our first time hearing from you. I'm wondering what's something that folks need to know about you that they might not be able to tell from just glancing at your Facebook profile. Most of my life is on my Facebook profile. So, you know, people can get a pretty good read on me. But, um, you know, I, I've been here in Karenport for the last three years. Uh, moved from Edmonton. So I was, I've grown up in Edmonton, but I'm actually born in Kingston, Ontario. And that is my favorite city in the entire country. And I think everybody should go visit it sometime because it is quite the beautiful city. So most people assume that I'm from Edmonton, but I was actually born in Kingston. Kingston doesn't have a hockey team or a football team for you to cheer for. So that's probably why they're confused. Uh, with our second, um, our second kid, Grady, he, um, he's a little bit behind in development with, uh, with speech. Um, and so just being at home, he's lately been going back to speech therapy, which has been awesome, but we've actually seen um, like his development, like really speed up in, in regards over the last couple months, which is a little bit surprising because usually they say, you know, the best way is to get him out with other people and whatnot and other kids and whatnot, and they'll kind of catch up. And those are, at least that's what I was thinking, but you know, just kind of a lot of hard work by Terry to, to work with him and whatnot. His speech has gone up. We're not, it's not at the level that we were hoping for yet, but he's making huge, huge strides, strides, which has been really, really nice to see for us. Oh, that's so cool. That's that to, to realize that as a parent, you have the power to, to do that for your child as you work with them. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's been tough. Um, can I say insanity is an answer because, you know, we're, <laughs> three kids, five and under, and uh, that has been a trying time, shall we say. I mean, you know, Terry and I are not very outgoing, super social people, but we have a very outgoing, super social kid, um, and so that is quite the dynamic in our household sometimes. You know, sometimes we're just like, yep, yep, keep talking, yep, yep, you know, like, wow. as, as, Levi, as Levi talks and talks and talks, so you know, that part has been, uh, been trying at times, you know, and, and not that, you know, we dislike talking with him or anything, but, you know, he just, it's tough because we're just not very outgoing people and, and he needs that social, that social interaction because he's just a very, very outgoing uh, kid. So we're trying to provide his, you're the only one he's got to talk to. I know we're trying our best to, he's been going to preschool at, at MJAC um, a little bit, but we've been trying our best to kind of fill that void for him um, and being more social. So it's good practice for us to, uh, to be more social and work on our social or being more outgoing with our five-year-old is, yeah. 
All the extroverts out uh, who are listening to us right now who are living with introverts, they are feeling your son right now. They <laughs> yeah. just, they know. <laughs> yeah, he, he, we, were, uh, we, we moved actually in late October and we used to live in the five plexes as they're called here in Karenpur and they're right at the back of town and there's a walking path out behind, but Levi would be out in the backyard playing and he would talk to everybody that would, uh, that would go behind, that would be walking. And some people would like humor him and, and, you know, chat with them or say hi or whatever but some people would stop and talk with him and he was just in heaven when people would stop and talk with him so yeah he's uh he's a, he's quite the outgoing kid oh man um i'm wondering have there been any surprising high points in the midst of the ordinary for you folks uh one of the things for us eh? uh so for my covid highlight um we had to isolate for 21 days. And so on Friday, I got to come out of quarantine and it was a glorious day. And I went to my favorite coffee shop and I had a latte and I went to the florist and I got a fresh evergreen arrangement for Christmas and I got my hair cut and it was just all so wonderful. I was just so happy to see everybody. And then I saw one friend that weekend, no, two friends. Um, I went to people's houses who only had four people in their family. So I could go alone and see them. Um, and I, am I allowed to tell the listeners that I cheated and hugged my one friend? Oh, I needed that hug. I won't so tell much. anybody. I won't tell anybody. I needed that hug so much. It was so good. No, no kidding. No so, kidding. yeah, I feel like we came, we just came out of, you know, 21 days of hard quarantining. And now it's like we're locked back down and I'm just hoping yeah. that we get to continue to have live services and haircuts and, mm -hmm. yeah. and everything. I'll wear my mask. I promise. Yep. I'll Absolutely. only go out and shop once a week. I promise. I'll, just I'll, do, I'll do what I need to do to make sure that we can get in the building on Sunday. That's, I'll do that's, anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I say. I'll do whatever I need to do to get in the building on Sunday. That's, that's my thoughts. Yeah, totally. Um, let's talk about Sunday. We're continuing on our Under the Surface series, and today we're talking about Kirk's message on finding freedom from shame from Sunday, November 15th. Folks, if you missed it, you can find the service on mjack.org under the live stream tab. Um, in his message, Kirk distinguished between shame and guilt. He said, guilt is how you feel about wrong things that you've done, and shame is how you feel about who you've become. When we feel guilt, it should prompt us to say sorry and be forgiven. When we feel shame, often we want to hide ourselves from others and from God. The good news that Kirk brought is that shame was never part of God's plan for us. We're designed to be known even in our vulnerable places and loved in community with God and other people. Pursuing Jesus and experiencing his loving gaze in every part of ourself and our experience heals us from shame. And I thought that last part was what stood out for me. Um, Anthony, what stood out for you about this message? You know, I think uh, when I was thinking about it and listening to it um, the first time and the second time, um, the thing that stood out to me was, you know, sometimes you get those weird feelings on a Sunday, like the pastor is talking directly to you and only you. Um, I, I kind of had that moment uh, on Sunday because uh, Kirk was talking a lot about um, stuff that I've gone through. And, and it was just, it was one of those moments where I felt like, even though I wasn't there, like, it's like, 
he made the video or uh, then he he made the sermon for me uh and me me and uh it was like we were having this conversation where I was sitting down and he was just like hey this is for you so that was kind of a, a cool experience I don't know um, if I would call that cool when the pastor's having like a one-on-one <laughs> with you calling you out but, it's you something. know like <laughs> it, it, it to me it made me feel you know like the experience that I you know we'll talk about it a little bit later but the experience that I had is not you know that different to what somebody else has gone through um which was which was nice for me, you know, and feeling alone in different aspects of you know the last six months of of my life, and so just just hearing that, yeah, there have been times where you know Pastor Kirk talking about feeling that deep shame uh, in himself and whatnot in mm. you know different situations, but it was it was nice to see that you know somebody else has been through that as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Um, you know, we had a phone call to prep for this podcast and um, it became really clear to me that your personal story just beautifully dovetails in this, in this topic about shame. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your journey with Crohn's disease over the last six months? Sure. Uh, so some people know, some people don't, but uh, I have Crohn's disease as it's called, which is a autoimmune chronic disease that basically affects my entire digestive system. Um, I was actually diagnosed with Crohn's way back in 2011. Uh, so it's been about nine years since I've known about the diagnosis, but I've always had digestive issues kind of my entire life. So I, I say that I've had Crohn's for nine years, but it's probably been all 31 years of my life that I've had it. But um, wow. Things kind of uh, things kind of came to a head uh, in May of this year. Um, so, so I was we were all through, locked down. We were all locked yeah, down for COVID by then. When right at the height of the first lockdown, as we head into the second now, um, I I had what's called a Crohn's flare-up. Um, so I've had them a bunch of times before. Uh, this is the third one that I had had that had been painful enough for me to go to the hospital. Um, so I spent a week in the hospital trying to deal with this, uh, Crohn's flare up, which is usually it's, it's pain in my, um, abdomen that is excruciating. Um, the first, the first major flare up that I ever had, I ended up in the hospital. I actually thought my appendix had exploded. Right. And that was like, and it was that kind of pain. Um, so yeah, I was in the hospital, uh, in Moose Jaw for about a week. Um, and um yeah trying to work through this flare-up and i was released on a monday uh, i think the day well nobody could monday. visit you in that time is that right was that when the hospital yeah yeah and visiting? so that that kind of actually led to what happened uh afterwards um you know i was in the hospital for that week and you know i wasn't allowed to visit anybody even i was on isolation in the hospital for uh, a couple of those days as well. So even just the nurse, um, the nurses coming in was very limited. Um, wow. And so I was, I felt very alone, uh, very, very isolated. And so, you know, for me, the only thought on my mind was I really want to get home. I want to yeah. get out of here. I want to go home. I want to see my family. I, I want to see people. Um, and so I, I was released on Monday. I told them I was feeling better and things were working and whatnot. And I, uh, I went home, 
had a little bit to eat. And that night, Monday night, I, uh, Terry and I were in bed about to go to sleep and I, I started to get quite cold. Uh, I was shivering and I couldn't get myself warm. Uh, I started to get chest pains um, and whatnot and I couldn't breathe. Uh, so we ended up actually having to call the ambulance. The ambulance came out to us and uh, I ended up getting going back to the hospital, being rushed to the hospital by ambulance. Um, found out that was that was late at night that Monday. Found out early afternoon Tuesday after they ran tests all morning that um, I had actually had what's called a perforated bowel. And so I had a bowel obstruction before and basically it had gotten so bad that there was a hole in my bowel. And so on Monday night, I was essentially dying as my body was kind of shutting down on me. To hear that was uh, a bit of a humbling experience, shall we say, uh, to to know that you you were dying in in bed on a on a yeah random Monday night. So I was booked in for emergency surgery that Tuesday, and it was a pretty pretty rough afternoon. Um, they told me that I would have to have what's called an ileostomy and have an ileostomy bag. Um, so not to be too graphic, that's a bag attached to my stomach where my waist would go. And, um, it kind of, it threw me for a real loop. Um, I was really, yeah, I, I cried a lot. I'm not a, I'm not a big crier. Terry will tell you that I'm not a, super overly emotional person but I uh there were a lot of tears that Tuesday and uh I reached out to a friend of mine that I he had been through a similar experience uh when he was younger um asking asked him a bunch of questions didn't probably ask enough questions before they rushed me off to surgery and you know nurse that was there that was uh in charge of me that day she she sat with me for a while and and let me let me cry to her, which I am forever indebted to her for that. Um, but it was a it was a really really upsetting day. Um, and then yeah, so I went into surgery and woke up a couple hours later with a new life essentially. Um, Wearing yeah, a poop I'm, outside of your body. Essentially, yeah, that's that's what my life was, and rough man. It was uh, it was a hard thing to deal with, um, you know, especially you know recovery from the surgery. I mean, first of all, it was a major surgery. They they ripped my stomach open. I had twenty eight staples in my stomach, um, and, and that's you know not even talking about what my new normal new way of life was. Um, you know, recovery was tough, um, but even tougher was finding a system uh, that worked for me. And for the first month or so, a little bit over a month, there were a lot of really rough times. Um, Just I, figuring out the logistics of the bag and like how it goes yeah, in your body and how it how it totally. works. And finding and finding the right one. There were a lot of leakage leaks and and blowouts as they call them and. And, you know, because of that, I, I didn't really go anywhere. Um, the only places I ever went for that first month were uh, I'd go into Moose Jaw to go to the, the Crescent View Clinic to get my bandages changed um, for my wounds. And I would go to Regina to go to the ostomy clinic to try and figure out a new system and get it to work. And and that was that was my life for a month. I there were some times where every day I was either going into Moose Jaw or going into Regina. 
to uh, figure out my body. And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, from Pastor Kirk's message on Sunday is, you know, he talked about, or I guess it was two Sundays ago now, but he talked about his story about, you know, being on the quiz team, getting kicked off the quiz team, and then having to work with um, the coach of that team, you know, later in life and, and him feeling that shame of what had happened in that situation and trying to avoid, avoid him the best, as best as he could. Um, and that for a long time uh, over the last little while was my life. Um, you know, I, I avoided people like the plague. Um, you know, I, like I said, I wouldn't go places. I would stay at home. I would either go into town to go to the clinic or to go to Regina, go to the clinic. And that would be it. I didn't want to be around people because I was ashamed of what my body was, what I was. Um, I was scared uh, of what could possibly happen um, if I was out in public. And, and even, you know, we talked about this in our, our call the other day, like even if people would come over to our house I would you know I'd run away every 15 minutes to go to the bathroom to make sure that everything was okay you know I would always I'd hold my hand over my stomach you know to try and just like I'd you know I'd even like a comfort thing for me like I'm holding the bag on me I'm covering up covering it up people can't see it if it starts to get full underneath my shirt you know because my arm is there or whatnot and and I was really like really ashamed of of who I'd been of who I'd become and and really just didn't want to be around people um outside of just my family and and even if I was around people and whatnot, I would try to stay away off to the side a little bit that, you know, if something happened, I wasn't around people and whatnot. And so, yeah. In the midst of that, um, did you feel that, what did you feel that God was doing to, to, to work with you or to bring, to bring you through that? Uh, was there anything in the midst of that or did it more come later in retrospect? You know, in, in the time, it's hard to say, um, you know, through the time, like Terry was so supportive and, and, you know, through the whole time, I think the, that it came more, I guess, like you said, it, more in retrospect, um, looking back on it now and seeing, you know, there really was no reason for me to feel ashamed of myself. Um, you know, I, it was a life-saving surgery. I mean, I was dying and, you know, it was, it's a small price to pay, you know, shall we say as, as crappy as I thought it was, but it's a small price to pay to, to still be alive. Um, and, you know, there really was no reason for me to be ashamed. And, and, you know, one of the things we talked about was, you know, the friends that we have supported me through it. And, you know, they really, they knew what the situation was, you know, I'd explain to them what it was. And, you know, I didn't feel like they treated me any different, you know, beyond like, hey, how are you feeling today? Like, how's recovery going from the surgery and whatnot? And, and they, they really supported me through it. And, and for me, looking back on it now, there really was no, there really was no reason to feel that shame, because, 
you know, we're all made in God's image as, you know, they say and, and whatnot and what, but I mean, whatever happened to me, surgery, dying or close to dying, whatnot, like I am still a child of God. And it doesn't matter if I, if my body is, has a bag on the outside of it, or like now after I've had the reversal, I don't, I'm still, still the same person um, in that relationship with God. Yeah. And we all have crap. Like yeah. we don't all go through the experience of wearing it in a bag outside our body, but, but nobody's exempt from having things that are difficult to trust to the people like our friends and our family that we maybe would prefer to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tell me about you. You said you had a reversal. Can you tell me how, how did you come out of that uh, situation? How did that story end? Um, you know, so I, I went in for reversal surgery on October 28th. So just about a month ago now, um, you know, with, with it, 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 it presents its own, um, issues, shall we say, I've had a, a very up and down recovery, um, since kind of getting out of the hospital, there's been some really good points, but there's also been some really low points physically and also mentally, um, you know, the physical part has been tough, but the the much more difficult part has been the mental part like so i'm a basketball coach um that's my job and you know one of the things we we always talk about with injuries when players get injured is it's actually not the physical healing that is the difficult part it's the mental part of the mental aspect of not being on the court not being with your teammates um you know feeling isolated whatnot you know being upset that your body isn't working right and that was very much for me, like, that's what I'm going through right now. Um, the mental aspect of, yeah, my body really isn't working right, right now. It's, it's getting better. It's getting sort of back to normal, but you know, there's, there's been a lot of times where I've been lying in bed because I can't move, um, because I'm in a lot of pain and I can hear my kids playing and Terry, playing with them and I I've just been crying because I just I want to be there I want to be able to get out of bed um and be able to do stuff with them and whatnot but yeah that mental that mental part of recovery is is very very difficult you know that picture of you lying on your bed and not in your body not being able to do the things uh, that has me thinking about uh, what Kirk said about about Jesus loving gaze that as you're lying in your bed in that moment um, that that Jesus is gazing on you with love and compassion and he just he just holds your body like he's not disappointed in it and he's just with you in that moment mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's where freedom from shame comes from. Not that the thing that we're ashamed of necessarily is fixed or changed, but there's this recognition that uh, Jesus holds all of us with mm-hmm. love. Absolutely. And, and even, you know, for myself personally, like I've never felt so supported and so loved and prayed over than I did when I went in for surgery the second time, you know, I, and I had a, like the surgery is really early in the morning. Um, I think I ended up in the operating room at like seven forty-five or something like that, but 
even before I got into the room, I had multiple text messages from people from the church, from the school here, um, just letting me know they're praying for me, wishing me well in the surgery. Um, and, you know, that's at 6 45, 7 o'clock in the morning. And um, I've never felt, you know, I've never felt that that kind of love and support on that big of a level, you know, before. And it, it was a huge thing for me. I mean, it helped give me peace because, you know, going into that surgery, that second one, I was, I was really worried. I was, I was scared um, because there are, you know, sometimes some major complications coming out of an ostomy reversal surgery and, you know, not to, I'm not going to get any, into any graphic details or anything like that, but I was really worried that coming out of the surgery, I wouldn't be able to control any of my bodily functions, which is something that happens uh, for some people out of that surgery. And I was, I was really scared. Um, and just to, to have people and see people or, you know, know that people were praying over me um, that day, that morning, that evening, even after being out of surgery and whatnot was, was a huge comfort for me. And, you know, that's not really something that you really get in any other kind of walk of life. You know, that's, I think, for me, when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, everybody will give their well wishes and whatnot, but we are praying like to a God that hears our prayers and, and answers our prayers. And like, for me, that, that was a huge thing um, during that time, during that day. That's so cool. That's another layer of being released from shame that, that these people completely knew what was happening for you and just loved and received you and they weren't judging you and they weren't like, boy, this is awfully inconvenient that I'm praying for you at 6.45. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you like, together, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> and we talk about like being freed from shame and, you know, as, as things went on for me, during the summer and whatnot and as i got more comfortable with um with my life and with the with the bag and everything you know i i found that you know our my friends my loved ones they they supported me like they didn't care that you know they didn't care that there was some bag attached to my stomach you know mm -hmm. they loved me for for me um and supported me kind of through that struggle like that I was going through on my own but you know they didn't treat me any differently and they they really supported me through that which you know which helped me to the realization that like yeah I don't need to feel shame about you know about who I am about what I'm going through even you know on the the mental side of things like I, I don't need to feel shame I didn't need to feel shame about struggling you know, people mm, understood, yeah. people, people supported, people loved, people understood that it was a, it was a really difficult time. Nobody was, nobody was looking at me and going like, wow, Anthony's so weak. I can't believe he's upset about this. You know, they, they looked at me with compassion and, and support and love. And, and, you know, looking back in, in retrospect now, like I really didn't need to feel any shame about who I was or the struggle mentally that I was going through, you know, for a long time, um, I was quite depressed and it was, it was, it was just, it was just a really big struggle. Um, I had a lot of trouble coming to grips with what had happened and, and what life was and what I had to deal with. And, you know, 
looking back, there were people that, that supported me through that and they, you know, freed me from that shame because they were going to be there for us, you know, no matter what, like, doesn't matter what, what had happened. Like they were there to support us. That's such a, that's such a big step to take to be able to, because I think before this happened, Crohn's was like, it felt like a small thing to you, um, Mm -hmm. like an inconvenience. And this year was the year that it hit that you're a person with Crohn's and that has serious implications that you're always going to carry with you. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like I've always, I've always had just like this small pain, uh, you know, in my stomach, you know, some days it was more, but it was just kind of this minor, like, Oh, it's there. You know, I just, okay, well, if it's, you know, more today, well, it just hurts more today. But, you know, it was always just this little small thing until kind of May hit where it became, or sorry, not May. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. May where like things really kind of, hit hard of like, man, this is like, this was serious. And, and, you know, I've, I've made changes now, like health wise since then and whatnot in terms of just like diet, different things like that, that dealing with Crohn's and whatnot and everything. But, you know, it, it became really real that, you know, there is sometimes life changing circumstances that come with this, um, with this disease and whatnot that, you know, I can't really ignore as just a, just a small little thing now. Um, it's something that I kind of have to monitor and, and attack kind of every day now. Yeah. But, but the, the connected idea is that, uh, you own that you're a person with Crohn's, but it, that doesn't have to come with shame. That's Absolutely. not something that inherently makes you less valuable or less Absolutely. loved by your friends and family. Absolutely. It's, 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 you know, it's a part of life, right? You know, it doesn't change who I am as a person. It doesn't change the relationships I have with people. It doesn't change the relationship that I have with God. I don't need to feel shame uh, in my body in dealing with this disease, with this um, this ailment. You know, I need to feel that, yeah, like it doesn't change who I am. It's not, it doesn't define who I am as a person, it's, you know, nothing to feel ashamed of. Anthony, I really appreciate you coming on to share your story. Um, because I, I thought this brought such an interesting, uh, facet to, to the conversation about shame. Um, often when I think about shame, I'm thinking about it in the context of sin, that I would be ashamed of something that I've done wrong in my past that I don't want to share, uh, in, in the present. Um, but I think actually that your experience is even more common that we, we often feel shame about ourselves for things we didn't choose and can't change. Like uh, maybe that's a part of our family story or it's an aspect of our personality or our appearance, or um, in your experience, it's an experience of a, a disability or ailment that made you feel like you were too weird to be loved. Mm-hmm. And maybe also you were your the weakness that came with that um, it was tied to your self-worth. Um, and I just think that's, that's a, that's a pretty universal, um, experience, not Crohn's itself, but just this sense of maybe there's something wrong with me and, and this desire to hide that difference. I wonder, um, what would you say to a young person struggling with shame about a chronic condition, whether that's a physical disability or a mental health issue since your experience this year? How would you coach them based on what you've learned? 
one of the things that I would tell them is you could be struggling mentally, you could be struggling physically, but you know, God still loves you through all of that. And I don't really like the phrase, you know, like, oh, people say sometimes, oh, God won't give you anything more than you can handle, right? You know, that mm -hmm. whole phrase that people talk about, because, you know, when I went through that, I felt like I was getting more than I could handle. Yeah. Um, and it, it scared me and whatnot. But, you know, looking back on it now, there was no, God didn't leave me. Um, he didn't leave me to be like, okay, Anthony, yeah, you're on your own. You're, you're good to go. Um, you know, good luck. He was there with me through the whole time, you know? And, and, you know, I think about like that, that old footprints poem where, you know, it talks about carrying you and whatnot. And there were times through that, through the whole thing, even now, now that I've been reversed and, you know, I don't have the bag and I feel more normal as I put up air quotes that you guys can't see uh, in the podcast. Um, <laughs> we heard the but, bigger voice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, even through, through all that, like, you know, God is carrying me through the tough moments that are there mentally with recovery that are there physically with recovery that are there mentally with, you know, being in my own head and feeling ashamed about who I am. So, you know, I would encourage anybody to really that's going through that to know that, you know, God still loves you through all of this and he's not going to abandon you. And, you know, the other thing too is, you know, find friends that will support you through your toughest times. Um, I have a few friends, you know, some here uh, that I've no, not known very long that I know that, hey, I'm having a tough time right now. I, I can text them. I can call them up. I can say, hey, like, things just aren't going really well for me right now. Can we just, can we chat for a bit and, you know, find those friends that you trust um, and, and let them be your support. Let them be your people. Um, because honestly, that was, that was really the only way that I was able to make it through these last six months was the support from my family and from my people, from my friends, because without them, I would have been, I, I mean, would have felt more alone than I already did. And I, I don't know if I would have been able to make it through. Yeah. You took a risk and you told them what was really happening and that's, and they were able to, to step up and support you in that. You know, I, I think about my basketball team and I've told this story uh, a couple of times. I, uh, back in September, uh, we were, we were doing our team first team workout of the year in the fitness center. My assistant coach was uh, was telling or demonstrating how to do all the the exercises and whatnot because I I can't lift very much right now or couldn't then still can't now. And um, I had an accident. I had an incident where not even a leak. Um, which you know if 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 I did have a leak, most people probably wouldn't see or know, but you know the actual bag broke um which which is a really embarrassing thing uh in front of a group of 18 to 22 year old young people and uh that was that was when i've uh you know talked about it and talked to people that was the the worst um and the most embarrassing moment of my life um but my team um they supported me through that and and i uh I started a blog um, during this whole process and whatnot, and and I talked about it in this post. But that was on a Friday, 
and uh, we ended up having a team barbecue at our chaplain's house in the backyard on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, that Friday, Saturday, I was just so, so, just so down. Like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. How can I be a coach? How can these players respect me when they've seen what just happened and whatnot? But the compassion and, and the grace shown by my team, um, I am forever indebted to them for that. And that Sunday was just such a godsend of an amazing day um, and hanging out with, with our team that day that it, it really raised my spirits and um, really kind of brought me back from what was a lot of what I was feeling earlier on on this journey and you know it was like I had been transported back to back to May back to recover right out of surgery and not having anything that could work and having leaks all the time and whatnot and and it kind of just transported me back but the team kind of picked me up and and put me on their shoulders a little bit and carried me through that 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 day and I uh I will forever remember that wow well, thank you for sharing, Anthony. Let's wrap up. Um, in a moment, I'm going to pray our blessing, but first let's just look ahead. Um, on Sunday, Pastor Kirk is speaking about grief and disappointment and the way that these can be pivot points for us to either draw close to Jesus or push further away. And then uh, next week on the pod, I'm hosting Stephanie and Mark McLeod to talk about their journey with grief and how they're preparing for Christmas through this COVID Advent season with their littles. So I can't wait for that conversation. Okay, folks, today we're going to do something a little different for our blessing. Uh, we'd like to read a psalm over you um, that speaks to those deep places inside us where we're not sure we're known and loved. So this is Psalm 139. Folks, if you've been busy about your house, just uh, take a minute, take a breath, recall yourself to Jesus' presence with you and his goodness with you right in your ordinary moment. This is Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Thanks, listeners, for lending us your ears. MJAC Conversations is written, recorded, and produced by me. Folks, until next time, be well and be good to each other.